You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. Thank you all for being with us this morning uh, on Online Church. We are uh, the church, regardless of whether we're, not, we're in a building or not, we are the church, and we're going to continue to move forward. I want to piggyback off of what Adrian was uh, announcing regarding the growing deeper resources. You know, as I was going through the book of Jeremiah, I came to Jeremiah chapter 17, and as the prophet describes a blessed life, he describes the blessed life as like a tree planted by streams of living water. And this, this tree never ceases to bear fruit, even in drought, even when the heat is on. And that just seemed to jump off the page to me in this season where where there is a, a seeming like drought in the land and there's, there's heat and there's pressure upon us. And I think that the question arises from that, that passage as to whether or not we're going to be ones that continue to bear fruit, whether or not we're going to find our source in Jesus or whether our source is going to be found in other things that, that have been taken away from us in this season. So the whole heart behind these resources, the Growing Deeper resources, has been to encourage our church to press into the things of Jesus in this season and discover a fresh, a fresh um, depth of intimacy with him. Uh, as we find our source, we allow our roots to go deep into him in this season. So um, those, those will be coming out on a regular basis. You can check our website, uh, Facebook, YouTube channel for those updated resources. Uh, this morning, I'm excited to share the word of God with you. I want to talk to you about the timing of God. That's right, the timing of God. Last week, we talked about our living hope, the resurrected Christ. And we had an amazing time celebrating the resurrected Christ together. But I believe as we you know, focus our eyes on this living hope that we have in Jesus, especially in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials and tribulations, I feel like oftentimes a, a looming question that, that arises in our hearts uh, is, regarding the timing of God. It's regarding you know, disappointment. Is, is, this, is this hope that I'm putting in Jesus, is it going to disappoint me? It seems like I'm going to be just sitting here waiting, and this is going to go on forever. When is my breakthrough going to come? When is the miracle going to come? When is, when is my Messiah going to be revealed like Scripture talks about? When is this promise going to be fulfilled? Um, the future hope can feel like it's, it's always perpetually in the future. When does it become a reality? And so this question regarding the timing of God, I feel like is, is really relevant for us, especially in difficult seasons, in seasons of, of suffering. So I want us to look at 1 Peter again this morning. We were there last, last weekend for Resurrection Sunday. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, but I'll paint a picture of what I believe it's at, what's at stake this morning. You know, um, several years ago when Tani and I were, were newly married, actually at the time we had one, one kid, um, Bryce was just a baby at the time. We had the, the idea to adventure across the United States and take a train from Seattle, Washington, all the way to North Dakota. Uh, all the prior trips we had taken from the Northwest back to our home state of North Dakota, we had we'd flown, but this time we decided we we're going to take a train. And just, just as a frame of reference, it is a 24-hour train ride from Seattle to our hometown of Fargo, North Dakota. So we were we were you know, preparing ourselves for the long journey, but it, it's a beautiful train ride through two mountain ranges you know, in the dead of winter. Uh, you get to meet people from all over the country. It, it was an amazing experience. The 24-hour train ride ended up taking 36 hours. 
Uh, but finally we arrived. We had an amazing time with our families and we, we got ready to then take the return trip back to Seattle on the train. And so we arrived at the train depot in the, in the middle of the night because the train uh, left at like 5 a.m. And there we sat at the train depot. Actually in our vehicle, we sat with our, our baby sleeping and we awaited. And this was before we got notifications on our phones. We would actually get a phone call from, um, from the train company you know, telling us that, hey, the train is two hours out. So you know, get ready, the train is two hours out. And there we sat. You know, Two hours went by and, and eventually we got another phone call saying, hey, the train is 30 minutes away. Hey, so they're just running a little behind, but the train is 30 minutes, 30 minutes away. So again, we got ready. 30 minutes passed and again, we got another phone call. Hey, the train is 30 minutes away which meant it made no progress. We got another phone call. The train is 30 minutes away. This continued on until finally we got a phone call from, the, from Amtrak, from the train company, telling us that the train was not coming. The train, the train they, they were canceling the itinerary from, from Fargo all the way to Seattle. Like We could not board the train. It was not coming. There we were sitting at the depot with no way home. And so we ended up having to fly fly home that Christmas. Our train was abrupt, or our trip was abruptly ended. The, the the adventure that we had hoped to take on the train was 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 uh, was ended. Um, but I feel like oftentimes in putting our hope in this future hope that we have in Jesus Christ, we can we can feel this kind of like angst or this fear or anxiety that what if we're going to be the ones stuck at the train depot, like hoping for this savior, hoping for this deliverance, hoping for this miracle. And there we are disappointed because it never came. Like we're, we're the ones just hoping. And we put, we put hope in this category of wishful thinking. We put it in this, even in this category of religious escapism. You know, we're just trying to put our eyes on something, even if it's like a fairy tale. I want to, this morning, talk about the timing of God in a way that I believe equips us and empowers us to move forward in faith through these difficult times, through seasons of trials and tribulations. The Apostle Paul tells us that our hope is completely different than the hope of this world. Uh, the hope of the gospel, in Romans chapter 5, he says, the hope, this hope does not disappoint. That's what uh, the Apostle Paul tells us. We have a hope that does not disappoint. So I want to talk about why we can be confident in the hope that we have in Jesus and talk about the timing of God. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. As we look at um, the end of this letter that Peter is writing to believers who have been scattered across the Mediterranean, ones who are in the midst of persecution, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials and tribulations. So these are not believers that are um, you know, living out a comfortable Christianity or, um, you know, experiencing tremendous ease at this time. They, they've left house and home. They've left their livelihoods. They've left extended family for the sake of the gospel. And this is his exhortation to them. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. So at the proper time, in God's perfect timing, he may exalt you. That breakthrough will come. The miracle will come. He has space to exalt you at his proper time, at the proper time, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter wades into the very waters that I want to bring us into you this morning in regards to God's timing, the tensions that are before us. He doesn't shy away from the realities that they are walking through suffering. He's saying you're going to suffer for a little while. But the God of all grace, he sees you. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So in God's proper time, in God's in due season, the actual Greek word there is the word kairos. And that's a common word used throughout the New Testament, referring to in due season, in the opportune time, referring to God's perfect, sovereign timing. That God can be trusted with a perfect timing of, uh, in regards to the, the situations that we are facing. So why is it that we can trust God's perfect timing? Why, why, why is that? Is it, again, is it just wishful thinking? Well, Peter here, he refers three different times, he refers to God's character. I believe that we can trust in God's, we can hope in God's perfect timing because of God's perfect character. That is the why behind uh, us hoping in God's perfect timing, that he can be trusted. Three different times he refers to God's character. Right, right out of the gate, he refers to God's mighty hand, that God is the God of all might, of all power, uh, that God can do anything he wills, um, that nothing is too hard for him. He is, he is almighty God, king of the universe. That's who he is. And so he, he points us to that aspect of God's character. Secondly, he refers to the God of all grace, that God is gracious, he's merciful, he's loving, he's faithful. That is who he, who he is. He is love. He's the God of all grace. And thirdly, he refers to God's dominion at the very end. To him be the dominion forever and ever. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Dominion meaning God's rule and reign. That is not up for debate. God's rule and reign is perfect. It's not threatened by this enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion. God is on the throne. He rules perfectly. He has a plan, and his perfect timing can be trusted because of his perfect character. So Paul tells us to humble ourselves in light of that. In light of the character of God, we, we should humble ourselves. You know, if, if we don't humble ourselves, eventually we will be humbled. So I'd rather, I'd rather take that posture of humbling myself before the Lord so that there's actually space for me to be exalted so that God can bring that breakthrough, that, that place of, he can actually bring the promise and bring the miracle that's needed by me actually lowering myself into my, the proper place. So I believe in this passage, there's, there's two things that contribute to the timing of God that I want to point us to this morning, just to help build your faith, to equip you to walk through seasons of difficulty, walk through trials and tribulations, with faith and with hope in God's perfect timing. Um, I think there's two factors that can contribute to God's timing um, that, that Peter points them to here. And the first is this, it's prayer. Several times in this passage, Peter points them to prayer. Do you know God has invited us as the people of God, as the children of God, into his grand plan of redemption? And I don't think that's, I don't think that's an illusion. I believe God genuinely invites us into his redemptive plan. And that means we contribute to the timing of God. He is, he's sovereign, he's mighty, he knows all, but he genuinely 
asks us to be a part of it, to be partakers in his kingdom, to be co-laborers with Christ. And so right out of the gate, he says, um, humble yourselves. And part of that humbling of ourselves is learning to cast all of our anxieties on him. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. That watchfulness is a call for us to be prayerful, for us to be um, vigilant, for us to be discerning of the times in which we live. And then, and then he calls us in this, this cosmic battle, in the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in, to resist the enemy, to stand firm in the faith. These are all calls to prayer in, in different forms and functions, casting our anxieties upon him, being watchful, resisting the enemy, standing firm in the faith. These are all calls to pray. And prayer contributes to God's timing, to God's to perfect timing, the, the proper timing in which he it brings about the breakthrough, in which he brings about the miracle, in which he brings about his deliverance that he's promised us. I believe that he genuinely is inviting us into that. Prayer is the, the conduit of dependence in which we, we give God space to promote us. So prayer is always effective whether or not we see instant change. And I believe that that's the, the real call of a follower of Jesus is to pray even if we don't see the immediate breakthrough, even if we don't see the immediate miracle, even if we don't see anything immediately change, we're praying for a loved one or we're praying uh, for healing in one of our loved ones or we ourselves are, are suffering with something. We continue to pray, we continue to believe regardless of whether or not we see any instant change believing that prayer matters in the timing of God. So God here, he gives us this promise that he actually cares for us. God is not distant. He really cares for us. But in that promise of God caring for us, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything revolves around us. And so every time we pray, it doesn't necessarily mean everything instantly changes in our lives. No sovereign, wise God of the universe is balancing so many dynamics and so many variables. But still, when we pray, it contributes to something. It contributes to this grand plan of redemption that God is bringing about on the earth. So prayer matters. I like to think of God's sovereign will and his workings of his redemptive plan like a grand chess master. You know, a chess master what makes them brilliant is their ability to foresee all of the potential moves before their eyes. And, and obviously God, sovereign king of the universe, he is able to see all possibilities, all potential paths before, before him and still bring about his perfect plan in the end. And so when we pray, I believe that we're contributing into that plan that God is bringing about, that he's bringing about on the earth. So when we pray, it matters. When we seek, it matters. When we intercede, it matters. It contributes to something. In Luke chapter 18, he gives us the picture of this persistent widow who continued to persist before this really uh, unmerciful judge. She continued to persist, and eventually he relented, and he gave her what she was asking for. Jesus gives us the clear commands to ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. I don't believe those are just exercises in futility. I believe that they're genuine invitations to be a part of God's timing, to be a part of his redemptive plan. So prayer matters. 
I, I wanted to use this, this analogy. This is the, the picture that came to my mind um, as I was preparing this this week in regards to God's timing, because I want to build your faith. Um, you know, I believe, obviously, as, as Peter just said, that we're down here. We're humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand. He's, he's up here, and he's sovereignly, in all wisdom, perfectly uh, caring about a plan. Yes, he allows a, a prowling lion or the, the enemy to prowl around like a, a roaring lion, but we are here. He is up here. He's working out a plan. And I like to think of it like this. I brought this pitcher of water in this bowl to present to you a word picture of what I believe some of the dynamics can be like in the place of prayer. You know, when we pray, you know, if this, if this bowl is the workings of God and we're down here, we're praying, we're seeking, it's like, it's like we're pouring into the workings of God, what God is doing. We're being obedient as children of God. We're seeking, we're asking, we're knocking. That's what he's told us to do. Luke chapter 18, he's told us to persist in prayer. So that's what we're doing. But from our perspective, from our perspective down here, nothing changed. We just poured into what he had asked us to pour into and nothing changed. But it matters because we're contributing to something. We continue to seek, we continue to ask, we continue to knock, we continue to intercede, we continue to stand in the gap in faith. We continue to do what we're told to do or continue to be children of God, children of faith, even if we don't see the instant breakthrough. We continue to do that. And eventually, what happens? Eventually, there's this outpouring. Eventually, there's this breakthrough that we've been praying for. We don't know when. We don't even know necessarily how or why. We just do what we are told to do as children of God. And we pray and we seek, we ask, we knock. So I wanted to paint that picture for you of what's at stake in the kingdom of God. We contribute, we pray, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and we ask, we seek, we knock, even if we don't necessarily know when the breakthrough is coming. So the second, the second um, contributing factor, I believe, to the timing of God that Peter points us to here in 1 Peter chapter 5 is God's love for justice. That's right. God's love for justice. I think that one, one thing that, that creates the angst in our heart regarding the timing of God is our longing for justice. We think, hey, we shouldn't be suffering. Why, why do these bad things happen to me? I mean, I'm, I'm a good person. Why do, why do these bad things happen on the earth? Like, why are we walking through the pains that we are walking through economically? Or if you're walking through sickness, why are these things happening to me? And we, we, all, we all have this longing for justice. Well, I want to I reorient our, our view of justice, recalibrate it to, uh, to, to God's definition of justice. You know, God is justice. He doesn't just define justice, but he is just. He is, he is in essence, just because he is creator God. He's created it all. Whatever he says is right is right. Um, it's who he is. And so in this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, you know, there are some really um, maybe bothersome dynamics at play. You know, God, loving God, redemptive God, the God that promises to restore, confirm, and establish. At the very same, same time, he is allowing a, an enemy to prowl around like a roaring lion. 
Why, why is that? Why, why would God, perfect God, if he's loving, if he's merciful, why would he allow this enemy to prowl around, you know, uh, just taking advantage of, of innocent people? Why would God allow for that? Later on, you know, he talks about there's, there's going to be sufferings that you experience in this world. And honestly, people throughout the, the brotherhood, throughout the world, they're experiencing that. But he gives them his promise that the God of all grace, he has called you to his eternal, Christ, or eternal glory in Christ, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So it's the, those tensions that God allows for, for seasons, for this suffering to happen, for dynamics to come that bring um, that bring pain and difficulty upon our lives. So what is the justice of God? And why is God so passionate about it? Why, why does God love justice so much? You know, in our current generation, there's such a, a longing uh, for social justice. There's such an outcry right now for, for social justice. But, um, and so we, we kind of think of ourselves in our generation as, as ones who, who understand justice and understand fairness. But let me reassure you that we don't want our version of justice. In in our version of justice, the good guys always win and the bad guys always lose. And and of course, in in our world, we're always on on the good team, right? And uh, and therefore, we always assume that we understand what's fair fair, and we should be the arbitrators of, of justice because we're good, others are bad, and we understand that. But the truth of the matter is that in this universe, God is the only being who is good. So in the end, God wins. If you begin to think about it in, in those terms, that God is the only being in the universe that truly is set apart as perfect and truly good, and everything else is not, that begins to turn the tables of our de- definition of justice. You can think of it as, you can think of God's redemptive story in these terms. You can think of me and you, us walking into God's courtroom. And God is the, the just, merciful judge that, that sits, on the, um, you know, sits behind the, the podium with his gavel. He is the merciful judge. And in God's courtroom, we, we are the criminals. We are the ones who have con, uh, committed these, these heinous, horrific crimes, murderous crimes. That's you and I. And if that's news to you, then, uh, then I want you to hear me out. You know, it's Jesus that, that told us that even if we're angry in our heart towards our brother, we've committed murder in our heart. Even if we've lusted after, after someone, someone else, that we've committed adultery in our hearts. God's definition of perfection is something we can never achieve on our own. And so in God's courtroom, he's the merciful, perfect judge. We come before him. Honestly, we're speechless. There's nothing that we can do. But God doesn't leave us in that place. In God's courtroom of perfect, loving justice, since he is good and he's the only one who can provide a solution for us, he says, hey, I want my son to be your attorney. And I want my son to be the one that actually pays the price for your crimes, that pays the price for the acts that you've carried out that have been a complete offense to the universe that I've set in motion. And so it's God himself who then provides the solution to the mess that we've found ourselves in. And what we need to do is actually trust him. We need to say, okay, I, 
I place my faith in that you're, that you're a good God, that you can be trusted, that, that your son can really deliver on what he's saying. I put my trust in you. I can't do anything, so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your son in the, the plan that you have uh, presented to me. So those are the dynamics I play in the justice of God. It's both God's love and his mercy and his holiness that are colliding in the, the beauty of God's justice. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says it beautifully. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So in, in Peter's second letter, you know, he, he points us to the justice of God in that way, that God is loving and compassionate, not wanting any to perish. He wants everyone to be able to have that moment in the courtroom where they stand before their creator and they're able to surrender them, themselves to his plan of redemption. But at the very same time, God cannot separate himself from his holiness and from his, his need to carry out judgment on, on ones who are not good and can never attain goodness on their own. And so he says, the, the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. So in that passage in 2 Peter, it's the colliding of God's loving mercy and his holiness, which both are aspects of God's justice. So I bring you back to the, the analogy that I was pointing you to uh, when I talked about prayer, which is the analogy of the, the bowl and the water. If we think of God's justice again like this bowl, we are, we are down below. God is up here. We don't understand it all. We understand that God has revealed himself as holy. We've, we realize he's revealed himself as loving and merciful and compassionate, not wanting any to perish. And he wants everyone to experience real free will love with the creator God. And so those dynamics are, are all at play. And so they all contribute to God's justice, his desire for all to hear. And we see and we look across the earth right now and the gospel's going forth throughout the earth like never before. All nations are really beginning to hear the gospel and Jesus is showing up in signs and wonders and all that contributes to God's justice. He wants everyone to have that moment standing before the courtroom. But at the same time, people are more rebellious than ever and they're, they are, uh, they're raising their fists at God so arrogantly and they're wanting nothing to do with him. At the same time, God is revealing himself. Many are turning their backs on him. And all of this contributes to the justice of God. And there's coming a day, and Peter calls it a day that's going to come like a thief in the night, where it will be poured out. There will be this outpouring, this, this breakthrough that comes of the justice of God on the earth. And that contributes to the timing of God. For me, that, that provided a, a vivid picture of, of what's at stake. There's just so much mystery in the timing of God, but there is an assurance in his perfect timing because of his perfect character. God is just 
God truly, genuinely invites us into his redemptive plan in the place of prayer. That's not an illusion. It's not a trick. He genuinely is inviting us into that to contribute into his redemptive plan. And there's coming a day when there will be breakthrough. There will be miracle, the, the miracle that you're praying for. There will be the, the um, what Peter describes as the restoration and the strengthening and the establishing that comes only in Jesus Christ. So this morning, in closing, I want to give each and every one of you an opportunity to experience uh, just a fresh level of faith, to trust God in his timing, to have hope in God's perfect timing. Maybe you're, you're one who has been feeling like you're being disappointed by God, or you're just felt uh, you, you just feel like you're, you're just there waiting and nothing's happening and, and you need grace. You need faith in this hour to continue to persist, to continue to press into prayer, to do what's right, to believe that God is perfectly compassionate and loving and holy and that he's working things together for those that love him. And I want to pray a prayer of faith and encouragement upon your heart. There may be others with us this morning where You've never had that moment where you've stood before your creator God in his courtroom, realizing that you yourself are the actual criminal. You're the actual one that's in need of a savior. You're in, you're in need of uh, some out from this mess that you've created in your life. You've never had that moment where you stand before, you've stood before him like that. This morning, I wanna, I wanna provide that opportunity for you to surrender your life to the, the only mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. You're gonna surrender yourself to this attorney who can not only defend you, but then also pay the price for your crimes. I wanna give you an opportunity for that this morning. So if you're in that first group and you uh, just need fresh encouragement, fresh faith in the season, let's pray right now. God, I pray over every heart, every heart that's been waiting for you ones who have believed in you as the miracle worker, ones who have believed uh, for certain breakthroughs in their life, maybe the breakthrough for salvation of, a, of a, one of their kids that have walked away from you or a loved one that has not yet surrendered their life to you, or maybe it's a financial breakthrough that they, they need, or maybe they, they've been carrying a sickness in their body and they've been believing for the breakthrough, but, but it hasn't come yet. And they need right now a grace to endure. They need a grace to trust your perfect timing, that your character has been revealed as perfect, and therefore your timing is perfect. And uh, so I just pray that grace upon each and every heart this morning, uh, every person that's joined with us, just uh, a, an assurance of your ability to strengthen and confirm and establish in your mighty name. If you're part of that, that second group and you need to surrender your life to Christ, you need to come before Creator God in His courtroom and put your faith in Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So why don't you pray a prayer like this in your own heart. Lord, I pray right now, Savior God, that you would be my Savior. You would be my Lord. You would be uh, not only my, my defender, but also the, the only answer for my sin issues. And so I, I come before you surrendering all that I am. I come to the end of myself. Um, no turning back. I'm going to follow you, Lord Jesus, from this day forward. In your mighty name, amen. If you prayed that prayer of salvation, I want to celebrate with you. Uh, that is the single greatest decision you could ever make in, in your life. 
And so we want to come alongside you and encourage you in that decision. Why don't you go ahead and reach out to the church? If you made that decision to follow Jesus as your Savior, why don't you reach out to the church at this number uh, that's on the screen? You can text that number, and we will get back with you. We'll reach out to you. We'll figure, figure out how we can come alongside you and disciple you in the things of God. Uh, we want to be an encouragement to you, a community for you as you follow King Jesus. Hey, I want to thank each and every one of you for being with us this morning. I pray that this word has been an encouragement to your heart as we trust God's perfect timing because of his perfect character. God bless. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.